This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. As a clumsy individual, I caused myself several nasty breaks and sprains throughout my childhood. After breaking my ankle, I remember my parents cautiously asking me to walk without support, a way of double checking before we took a trip to the hospital. Despite their good intentions and valid reasons, I still can't forget how afraid I was to even try putting weight on my foot. In this week's story, teller Mona Buta shares how she found strength in the scars from a childhood accident of her own, and how she grew past the fear her parents' good intentions had instilled in her. Recorded live in Chicago in October 2021, Second Story is proud to present You've Got a Boo Boo. It was dark, like I needed it to be. My boyfriend at the time gently pulled my naked body in front of the bathroom vanity mirror. He then turned on the light. How dare he? My gaze immediately went down towards the floor. I desperately wanted to escape, but he held me firmly, yet lovingly. I couldn't bear to look, and I wondered how he possibly could. How I wish I could reach that light switch and make it all go away. He said, look at your body. You have to be able to look at your own body. See how beautiful you are. Standing there, trembling on the inside, all I could feel was a lump in my throat and a thud of my heartbeat. Why was he doing this? I knew I just needed to get this over with. I raised my gaze to the mirror and looked at it. It was unfair. It was shameful. It was a stigma. It was pain. It was ugly. It was my body. When I was a toddler, I went with my mom and my sister to my dad's office. My mom asked us to sit quietly while she did some work. I was sitting by a filing cabinet, which had a later sitting on top of it. I pulled on the hanging cord and 12 cups of boiling water made its way down my body. Luckily, my dad's office was in a hospital. My mom quickly scooped up my body and rushed me to the ER. I was hospitalized for weeks, given the degree of the burns and how much of my body was burned. I underwent multiple surgeries and skin grafts, whereby skin from my lower back and thighs were used for the more severely burned areas around my shoulders and upper arms. My eyes didn't open for a couple of days, suggesting that perhaps my eyes were affected too. For the next several months, the time passed with doctor's visits, follow-ups, pain management, and physical therapy. The physical wounds healed and range of motion was reestablished. I could finally go back to being a regular kid. It was a beautiful sunny day at preschool. I was sitting by my teacher in the shade. It wouldn't have been so bad if I didn't have to watch the other kids run around in their bathing suits, playing in the fun fountain. If you weren't around in the eighties, then you don't know what I'm talking about, but it was a clown sprinkler whereby the water pressure would send the clown's hat flying up, spraying water all around. As I heard the continuous laughter and screams of the kids, I sat there wondering, why can't I be a part of this? Jealous of the other kids. My parents believed that covering up my scars would prevent me from ridicule or embarrassment. So at an early age, I was taught how best to carry my scars, hidden. 
my mom suggested wearing a t-shirt over my bathing suit. She said, you'll be more comfortable without ever consulting how I really felt. Situations where I'd find myself having to change in front of girlfriends, like sleepovers and locker rooms, I discreetly and quickly carried my clothes to the bathroom to change privately. Shopping for clothes was another fun thing. My mom basically grabbed at anything that had long sleeves or long enough sleeves to cover up my scars. Growing up in Alabama, you can imagine how hard it is to find cute girls' clothing with sleeves. For me, sundresses, tank tops, v-necks, and short shorts were all out of the question. As I got older, I couldn't tell if my parents' motivation to cover me up was for my sake or theirs. But by the time I was a teenager, I was too conditioned to do anything but hide my scars. It was a Saturday afternoon. I was about 14 years old, and my dad knocked on my bedroom door. He had that look that he gets when he has something uncomfortable to say. Repeatedly clearing his throat, not able to make eye contact, looking down at the ground. Um, we made an appointment with the plastic surgeon in Birmingham. There are procedures we can consider to remove some of the scarring, especially for your arms. I couldn't believe we were talking about it, my scars, as this topic had never been discussed before. My dad explained the procedure, which basically involved inserting a balloon-like instrument in my arm. This balloon instrument would be gradually filled with saline solution, slowly causing healthy skin to grow and stretch, kind of like what happens to a woman's belly and skin during pregnancy. This extra skin would then be used for the scarred areas. The whole process would take about six months. After a one and a half hour awkward car ride with my parents, no one saying a word, we met with the doctor and discussed the procedure what it would entail and timeline. Then the doctor turned to my parents and said, Dr. and Mrs. Buddha, would you mind leaving the room so that I can speak with your daughter? As the door closed behind my parents, he turned to me and said, kid, is this something you want to do or is this something your parents want done? I was completely caught off guard with this question. There was the honest answer and there was the right answer. I gave him the right answer. I do? And he gave me that look that you get when someone thinks you're lying. In the end, I didn't go through with any procedure. I was playing tennis quite competitively and any procedure would have just interfered. Plus, I just didn't wanna do it. Who else my age was growing balloons in their arms? If my parents were concerned about me being ridiculed because of my scars, what did they think would happen if I had bulges in my arms? After that, we never spoke of any further medical procedure. Into my 30s, I realized that I needed to go to therapy. Although the physical wounds had healed, the emotional wounds were still there, unhealed, untouched, uncared for. I told my parents about my decision to see a therapist and to say that they were not pleased is an understatement. My dad said, why do you need to talk to a stranger about your problems? In India, we talk to our family elders. Why can't you just talk to me and your mom if you have any problems? I briefly contemplated how honest I should be with my answer. Dad, we've never talked about my accident or what I've gone through. This has been off limits, and I don't think that you and mom have dealt with it either. When I was growing up, I just wish that you hadn't made me hide my scars and to let me run around 
like all the other kids. My mom chimed in, we did the best we could. We covered your scar so that kids wouldn't make fun of you. Once you were 16, you had the freedom to wear whatever clothes you wanted. I guess she had a point, but covering up my body my whole life had me believing that my body was shameful and not worthy of showing. So I was not exactly ready to throw on a bikini when I turned 16. My habit of hiding myself physically had extended into hiding myself emotionally. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had many friends, but I was very skilled at keeping everyone at an arm's length. Close, but not too close. My therapist asked, why do you think you do this? I said, I don't know. There's just stuff with my accident and how it's affected my relationship with my parents. I just don't want to be a burden to anyone. He said, okay, I have to stop you there. Did you just hear what you said? I came to realize that this burden was all the emotional scars that hadn't been dealt with. I needed to nurture that traumatized child in me and peel back the layers of shame. I had to realize that I was much more than my scars. It was 2008. I was visiting my older sister and her family in Alabama, eager to spend time with my little nephew. My sister, you see, was an innocent bystander with regards to my accident. She knew the rules and tried to give suggestions for how I could still dress cute and fashionable. Growing up, we never spoke of the accident or what I was going through. So on this visit, she said, so we're thinking of going to the pool this afternoon. I have an extra bathing suit if you want and t-shirt and shorts. I paused, took a deep breath. Fuck it. I'm wearing just a bathing suit, no t-shirt, no shorts. Driving to the pool, all I could think was, we'll get ready for the stairs. This is going to be awkward. I took off my cover-up and beelined it into the pool. I squatted down in the shallow end of the pool, only my head up above water. My nephew, enthusiastically with a big grin, swam up to me and I lifted my arms up to grab him. I could see his smiling face slowly turned to a look of curiosity as he caught a glimpse of my scars. I curiously looked at him, wondering what words would come out of his little, pointing his little finger at my shoulder. What happened? You got a boo-boo? I confirmed, <laughs> yeah, it's a boo-boo. He brought his face closer, kissed my shoulder, and went about his way with his arm floaties. My eyes welled up with tears. He just wanted me to feel better. It was the most compassion I had experienced with regards to my scars, and it came from a three-year-old. I had to wonder, maybe kids wouldn't have made fun of me when I was growing up, but rather showed empathy. The following summer, work had taken me to Turkey and I was meandering through an outdoor market in Ankara. A stall with beautifully colored spices and large burlap sacks caught my eye. As I don't speak Turkish, I could only gesture to communicate with the owner, a burly bearded older gentleman. I pointed to my camera and then the spices, asking permission to take pictures. As I was gesturing, his gaze went to my arms. He pointed to them and sort of grimaced. Realizing where I was, oh, I'm being reprimanded for not covering up my arms, upper arms, of course. But then he raised his arm up, flexed his biceps and pointed at me, pointed at my scars. 
and then flexed again. Wait, he's saying that I'm strong? I had never associated my scars with strength. Flustered, I smiled at him, nodded, and quickly walked away. Some years later, I was at a car wash here in Chicago. The guy processing my payment saw the scar on my chest. I was wearing a V-neck t-shirt. He was on the phone and he started pointing to his chest at the same area where my scar is. I knew what he was referring to, but why, oh, why was he pointing out the obvious to me? He hung up the phone and then said, Yoska, you know what it tells me? It tells me you've been through something hard. I would bet you're one tough woman. My nephew sees a boo-boo and strangers see strength. My beliefs about what happened to me and what my scars represent were so conditioned by my parents' own insecurity about my accident. Perhaps my scars brought so much shame to them that there wasn't room for emotional healing. But I'm the one who has to live with these scars and see them every day. So yeah, I guess I'm a tough, strong woman just covered in a lot of boo-boos, but to wear my own skin proudly takes time. And I'm still working on it. This story was produced by Ali Drum, curated by Amanda Delheimer, and directed by Matt Ferries. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the Arts Work Fund, Walter Foundation, MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, Paul M. Angel Family Foundation, Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, James Lupo, Jessica Wetmore, Hannah and George Stowe, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.